following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Come on, how are you on a Wednesday? Man, you can be seated. For those of you that were here Sunday, you'll understand what I'm about to say. For those of you that were not, forgive the inside joke, but I made it three more days with no road rage. God is good. Ah, That was, y'all, I'm not even, we're going to move right on. Hey, we are in a series. Pastor's been in a series and I get to kind of break into the middle of it tonight um, that, that he has been preaching and he's entitled it Old Corn of Canaan. And it comes from Joshua chapter five, verse 12. And it says that the, the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. And so we're, that's what we're doing. We're reaching back, eating some of the old corn of the land tonight. And so for the next few moments, I want to I wanna speak to you on this subject, miracles from Cana. Miracles from Cana. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. I'm not going to make you stand because I'm about to read a ton of Scripture and I don't want somebody to pass out on me, okay? So follow along with me on the screens or if you have your physical Bible in your hand, John chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 46. Once more... He visited, this is speaking of Jesus, visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man had heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and he begged him to come and heal his son. You've heard the story, you're familiar with it, but perhaps if if you're new around church, I want to read the rest of it to you so, to really give you the context of what's going on here because we're going to spend our time right here tonight. He begged him to come heal his son who was close to death. And he said, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus said, you'll never believe. And the royal official said, sir, come down. Come with me. You got to get here before my child dies. Get here before he di- Come on, come on. And Jesus said, Go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was alive, that he was living. And when they inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him that your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Wow. This is, a, this is such a fun story, and I'm so excited to dive into it tonight. But before we do, why don't we just bow our heads and just say, Lord, whatever you want to do in here, open our hearts. Can we do that together? Lord, we love you. God, we're so grateful for another opportunity to worship you tonight, another opportunity to to open your word and to dive in, to learn, to leave here different than the way that we came in. Open our hearts and our minds to what you would have for us tonight, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. 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 And I know I read a lot of scripture, but I want to ask you a quick question and see how, I want to test your memory really at the beginning of our time together tonight. Do you happen to remember what the very first phrase 
of this scripture said that we read. You don't, so I'm going to tell you anyways. Jesus came again to Cana. He went back to the place of his first miracle. And before we dive into really the, the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about tonight, can I just share with you on a Wednesday night that there are times in your life when you need to revisit the place of that first miracle. That you need to go back to the place when he first did something miraculous in your life. You gotta get back to Cana from time to time because see, sometimes you find yourself in a season where nothing is going your way. That every job application that you turn in keeps getting denied. That when you think you're going to get the promotion, it's given to somebody else. Every time you ask her out, she says no. <laughs> Whatever that looks like for you, maybe, just maybe tonight, you need to allow your mind to wander back to the first time that God opened a door for you where you said, oh my goodness. If it had not been for the Lord in my life, that would have never come to pass. Come on, let, let's, let's get gritty tonight. Maybe you've been given a doctor's report that you're not happy about. Maybe the doctor says something that you just, you don't want to believe. Maybe, maybe tonight is the night that you need to, you need to go back 10 years ago. When your child was sick and you didn't even know how to pray, you didn't even know what it meant to pray, but you just, you fell at the foot of your bed and you said, Lord, if you're real, Lord, if you're out there, will you just, will you please do something with my son or with my daughter? And God made a way where there seemed to be no way. Maybe, maybe tonight you need to go back to the place where he first did something in your life. See, if your name is Lazarus, maybe, maybe you, you need to go back to the grave and put some flowers at the tomb, right? I don't know what it is for you, but every once in a while in our lives, it will do you some good to go down memory lane and start thinking about the good things of God because it's easy in this day and age to get focused on what's not going right and what's not going your way that you forget about all the good stuff that he's done over the course of your life. Jesus went back to Cana. And here, here's what I've learned. And this is why it's so important that every once in a while you go back to the place of that first miracle because it's hard to deny the glory and the power of God when you are standing in a place that you can't deny in your own life that a miracle took place. When you're, it's hard to have no faith when you're standing in a place or you're there in your mind where God did something miraculous in your world. Why? Because it increases your faith. See, when you go back and you revisit the goodness of God in your life, you begin to say, God, I remember when, instead of God, why me? Your, your vocabulary begins to change and, and your faith begins to increase. Every once in a while, you got to go back to the place of that first miracle. Verse 46 would say, and there was a, a certain royal official 
whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Now, you have to understand this about this, this day and age in first century Israel, that these royal officials and these uh, itinerant rabbis, right, they, they, they wouldn't, they would have never been in the same social circle. In fact, they wouldn't have wanted to be, even be caught you know, cl- remotely close to each other. They didn't follow each other on Twitter. They didn't heart each other's Instagrams. That's not how they roll. They, they did not want to be, be associated with each other. But isn't it amazing how life works? Because sometimes, and you've heard this phrase your whole life, desperate times causes desperate measures in your world. See, when, when your child is on their deathbed. When the, when the child that you love with all of your heart is in a place where you can't do anything about it, you will move heaven and earth. You will humble yourself before whoever you have to humble to get something to move. And I, w- I wish I had more time tonight to really dive into this, but it's so interesting how the script flips here. Because if you think about it, in this day and age, who was, the, who was the person in the story that had all the power, that had all the authority? Yeah, 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 you got it. It wasn't, it wasn't Jesus. No, 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 it was the royal official, the guy who was in political power. But in this moment, in a moment of need, in a moment of crisis, what happens? He recognizes a greater authority in his life. Oh, he may have power, he may have authority, but there's sometimes, and let me just tell you this tonight, that it doesn't matter how good you are, how talented you are, how much money you have, there will be a day in your life that you have to recognize that there is a greater authority in this world. Verse 47 says, when... This man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea. He went to him. And sometimes, I think if you're not careful, we'll skim right past this this type of text. And and I want to spend a moment here because if you you research um, the geography here, you'll, you'll find that Cana was about 20 miles from Capernaum as a crow would fly. And Capernaum is about 700 feet below sea level. So it was an uphill trek through some pretty rugged terrain here. And sometimes, sometimes I just, I just believe that faith can be measured in miles. Now stay with me here for the next few moments. And so in this case, I would suggest to you that it took 20 miles of faith for him to experience this miracle in his life. I read a story, I think that this story was out of The Circle Maker, the book, if you've, if you've read that any time, but uh, a story about a man by the name of Paul Anderson who was praying for a kidney transplant, not for himself, but for his friend's son. And the reason that he was praying so diligently was because God had revealed to him that Paul was the one that was supposed to donate the kidney. So he did something very interesting. He started circling Baptist Hospital in Oklahoma City. 
And he circled it every day for 160 days. Let me give you a little, let me give you a little math here. It's a one-mile lap, and he said when he added it up, he had circled the hospital 350 times. That's 350 miles of faith. But let's break it down a little bit further because I think, I think you can measure it not just in miles, but you can measure it in hours and calories. So stay with me. Watch. This will be fun. At an average rate of three miles per hour, Paul spent 116 hours circling Baptist Hospital. That's nearly five 24-hour days. And so at an average, this is, I know your mind is blown right now. There's too many numbers. I get it. You're confused. So at an average burn rate, stay with me, of 125 calories per hour, Paul burned 43,750 calories. Theoretically, 3,500 calories burned is a pound of fat lost. So Paul, Paul burned 12.5 pounds praying for his miracle. Can you imagine losing weight and watching God do something in your world? Come on, that's, that's pretty good. Praying for a miracle and getting in shape at the same time. But on June 17th, 2013, a miracle happened. Paul was able to donate his kidney that would in turn save this child's life. And I would suggest to you this evening that it took 43,750 calories of faith. And now I know, I know some of you are like, Pastor Brad, this is, this is dangerous territory, and you're right. Um, I, I absolutely agree with you because it's not about logging miles. It's not about tracking hours or counting calories. You cannot earn a miracle any more than you can earn salvation. You can't manipulate God. You can't manufacture a miracle. It's not the way it works. I understand that. But, but listen, sometimes I, I, I just have a feeling that sometimes God wants to see if you're willing to walk to Cana. Are you willing to burn the calories necessary just to, just to see what God might do? See, see, this is all over the pages of Scripture. The Israelites had to circle Jericho seven times. Naaman had to dip in the Jordan seven times. Elijah had to pray for rain seven times. And I'm not making seven a magic number here, but sometimes you have to do the natural so that God can do the supernatural. Sometimes you have to position yourself in a place for a miracle. See, you can't just sit back and wait on a miracle to come to you. I'm just going to sit here on the couch till God opens the door and gives me a job. No. What? You're going to get bored real quick. The royal official. See, the royal official just might have missed his miracle had he stayed in Capernaum. Had he, just, had he just stayed where he was and not actually moved, he might have missed everything that God had in store for him. And so the, the Bible says in verse 49 that the royal official said, Sir, 
Come down before my child dies. Come, I, you got you to get down here. You got you to get here because if you don't get here, my child is going to pass away. And, and I, think this is where, I think this is where some of us find ourselves this evening, just as the nobleman did in a place of limiting the power of Jesus to his local presence. This is, this is what the nobleman did in this instance because he prayed the prayer and made the statement, Sir, you got to come with me because my child is about to die. And obviously he believed that Jesus could heal his child, but he had no idea that he could heal at a distance of 20 miles. See, I need you to come with me, Jesus, because if you, if you don't get where I am, my child is going to die. He didn't understand. Listen tonight, church. I want to make sure you have a good grasp on this. He didn't understand that the word of the Lord could operate apart from his physical presence. He, he, he didn't, he, he couldn't, his mind couldn't comprehend it. And see, I don't know. I don't know what you've been holding on to for three or four years. I don't know, I don't know the promise that you've been holding on to for five or six or seven or eight. I don't know what it is that you, you felt the gentle whispers of God as we talked about Sunday. You, you just felt him drop something into your spirit. But I've got good news for you. If you have a word from the Lord, you hold on to it with everything that you have because a word is enough for a miracle to come to pass in your life. You may not be able to see it. It may look impossible right now, but if he has promised it to you, you just wait. Just get ready because his word, his word will work. Jesus replies, your son, your son's going to live. Wow. Can you imagine feeling that in that moment, what that would have felt like? Knowing where you were in the situation to hearing the one that you are placing, your, you are humbling yourself, a person of authority, a person that has some swag in the community, but you have humbled yourself. And this person has just told you, hey, your son is going to live. And I love this part. Verse 51 says this, that the man took Jesus at his word and departed. The man... He didn't just hear what Jesus said and say, hey, 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 you got to get with me. That's cool. I'm glad you said it. And that's, that's great. No, no, but, but come with me. What do I got to get? We're going we're gonna to fix you a nice meal. What do I got to do to get you to come home? No, no, no. He took him at his word. He took him at his word and he departed. I wonder what would happen in your world with the thing that you've been praying about for weeks and months and years 
if you just took him at his word. I said, all right, Lord, here we go. Okay. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. I'm going to stop trying to, to claw my way and make it all happen on my own. It's not happening on my time. Lord, you, you told me, but it's been six weeks and it still hadn't worked out yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take him at his word and just go back to doing what you're supposed to do. And just, just see if his word will be good enough for you. Just see if the word that he gave you for that wayward child will be good enough. Just see, just see if his word can be trusted. I'm not waiting any longer for some sort of feeling that somebody has told me I need to have. I'm not waiting any longer for just physical evidence of something that is just crazy, mind-blowing to happen in my life. I'm not waiting for a sign, but on your word, Lord. On your word, I will take you on your word. If you speak it, I will trust it. If you said it in your word, I will hold it in my heart and I will believe it with everything that I have. If you tell me, I'll trust it. Did you notice what happened in the story See, evidently, the, the moment that Jesus said, your, your son will live, this man believed him. That's what, that's what the Bible says here. He took him at his word, and he went back, and this is, this is amazing. But, but he also did something very unique. I don't know how he did this back then, but he checked his Apple Watch. It's just, he's pretty talented. He checks his, his Apple Watch because he meets his servants coming the other way and he asked them a question. He said, what, what time? What time did my son get well? What time did all of this happen? Sure enough, it was the very moment that Jesus had said. And what was he doing? This is This is where I want to get you to tonight. He did something so powerful. He marked the moment. He said, well, he marked the moment. The Bible says that it was the seventh hour. The seventh hour. The nobleman, listen church, the nobleman understood something. He understood that when I get my miracle, I'm going to mark the moment that I know it's happening. Because there's going to be a time. There's going to be a day, it may be years down the road, that I'm going to need to be able to revisit what God has done in my life. So hang on, hang on, what? 
Before the commotion of everything happens and we leave the place that we're at of the word that I have just received. Hang on, I can't wait. He just said that my son is gonna live and I can't wait to get home to hug it. Can you imagine what that would look like for you to run home and just embrace your child that was knocking on death's door and you now know that they're gonna live? But you pause in the heat of all of it, in the emotion of all of it and you say, hang on, hang on, hang on. I can't forget this moment. What, hang on, what, what time is it? Somebody, somebody mark the moment for me right now because I know, I know that if he did something now, there's gonna be a time later in my life that I'm gonna have to come back and visit the place where he first did something for me. It was the seventh, it was the seventh hour. The seventh hour, would you stand with me? It was May, May of 2015. Cassidy, wave at everybody. This is my wife. I'm gonna be talking about her for a few moments, so you might as well know who she is. Whew, that's hard for me to get my focus now. I just look back at her. My goodness gracious. Thank you, Jesus. You remember where I was? Remember what I was talking about? I look back at you and you just distracted me. My goodness. It was May of 2015 and we had just found out that we were pregnant with Ellery Joy, who would be our third and final child, baby girl. We were pumped, you can imagine, you, you remember the day. Fast forward one month to June of 2015. Man, I remember this like it was yesterday. Cassidy goes to the doctor to find out that there were some pretty serious complications and we had previously had a miscarriage, and when you, when you hear the word complications, especially after having a miscarriage, your mind begins to run and race, and you, you play the, oh my goodness game, what, oh, you just, your mind goes everywhere. Fast forward one more month to July of 2015. Here at the church, the old building, obviously, we were in a a series where we just felt it was necessary and, and just felt compelled to, to preach on the miracles that Jesus performed. And it was, y'all, if you weren't here, you've heard Pastor Johnson reference it over the years. I feel like we reference it from time to time because it was such a monumental season in the life of this church. But we had a month-long stretch where we were seeing crazy miracles take place, financial miracles, the sick were being healed. Babies, literally babies who the doctors told the parents that you're going in tomorrow because to have a procedure done because there's no heartbeat. Only to go back in that morning and the doctor said, hang on, hold up a minute. Something, I don't know, something has happened. There's a heartbeat in this, this, this child is not dead. 
Y'all, it was, it was a month of just amazing, amazing miracles. And it was the week of the 17th of July. And I remember a group of friends gathering around Cassidy and, and praying for her that God would just do, just do the impossible, that he would do something that would just defy the odds. And you know the outcome. Ellery's here. She's running around with her siblings. She's five and a half now, and she is just wild and bananas. <laughs> but she's my baby. And today, she's as alive as she's ever been. God did something miraculous in that moment. He, he healed my wife. The doctor literally, she went back in the next day or two after the church had been praying and the doctor said, I don't know what you did, but whatever you did, it worked. <laughs> because there's whatever, whatever this was is gone. This is going to be fine. But I, I tell you that really to bring you to this point. Because it was a week before the prayer, the doctor's appointment. It was the week of the 12th, Sunday July 12th to be exact and it was during worship service and I was sitting what would be right over here in the old building the presence of God was just man it was it was so thick it was just it was just a powerful I don't know if it was because of what we were walking through but I just man God was God was there and I was praying and I know it's Unique, this, the two-week series that we're in here about the gentle whispers of God, but I was talking to God about it during worship and just said, God, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I can't do anything about this. I need, I need you to do something. Lord, have your way. And it doesn't happen all the time. It's, but it was very clear that day, those gentle whispers of God that I knew that I knew that you couldn't tell me any otherwise, any, anything different. I, I felt in my spirit the words, she will be healed. And I, I just, I knew it. I believed it. God had said it. And it was very, very strong. And it was very, very clear. And so I did something that really, y'all, I hadn't done previously. I took out my cell phone. And I've got a place in my, my phone, in my notes app, where I just, I write down thoughts that hit me just if I need to go back. And so I, I marked the date, and I marked exactly what I felt like the Lord said to me. Because I knew, I knew that there were going to be times in my life that I would need to go back. And remember, not that God does it for you or, you or you, but he does it for me too. And I can't tell you how many times over the last several years that in my mind I have made my way right back to a spot right over here to where God just dropped it in my spirit. And I said, I'm gonna mark the moment. 
And you know what? Has all of the situations that, that led me back to there, did they, did they all get worked out the way that I wanted them? Probably not. Not all of them. But it increased my faith. It got me out of a place. Come on, contrary to what some of you believe, pastors are just normal human beings. We have emotions and feelings and negativity surrounds us just like it does you from time to time. But it kept me in a place knowing that God had my back. And guess what? Ellery's going to be married one day a long time from now. Long, long time from now. And there's a good chance I'm going to tell this story at her wedding about what God did. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to go back, and I'm going to go back to the place that God did something amazing in my world. So I don't know what it is for you tonight. I don't know what it is that you've been dealing with, that the enemy has frustrated you with, that the enemy has lied to you and told you that it will never happen, that you'll never, you'll never get that promotion, you'll never get that job, that child will never come back home, that that relationship will never be restored. But here's what I want you to do. Here's how we combat that tonight. Are you ready? We're going to take a moment. It's not going to be long because it don't take a long time. But you're going to go back into your mind to when maybe you were a teenager and you remember God showing up in your world and you knew that you knew in that moment that God was real, that God had your back, that he was going to take care of you. And here's what's going to happen in just a moment as you begin to reflect on that and you begin to think of the goodness of God over the course of your life, you're going to feel your faith begin to rise in this house. Your faith is going to begin to increase in whatever it is that you're walking through. Listen, I'm not promising you that it's all going to get worked out the moment that you get out of here. No, no, no. But I am promising you this, that your attitude and your perspective will be different. That you will walk out of here knowing and remembering that God is for you and God is with you. So every head bowed, every eye closed, Lord, right now. God, we reflect on your goodness. God, you have been better to us than what we deserve. And so right now in my mind, I go back to that place. That moment in my life, maybe it was when a grandmother brought you to church as a young child and you knew, wow, this is real. I feel something. Go back to that moment right now and allow God to just refresh your soul. Allow your heart and your mind to be refreshed by the Spirit of God right now. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for the miracles that you've done in my yesterday. God, I thank you for opening doors that I never thought would be open doors that I thought were shut for a lifetime. I thank you for opening those in my yesterday. And I give you honor for what you did back then. But right now, Lord, I give you honor for what you're about to do in the current circumstance that I'm walking through. Lord, and I pray right now that our faith would begin to rise in this house as we think about how good you are 
and how magnificent you are and how powerful you are. God, we know that there is no weapon formed against us that will prosper. We know that you've got our back. We know that you've got our, that you're on our side and we're gonna walk out of here tonight. God, you may not pull us from the storm, but right now we know that you will walk through it with us. And our hearts will be lighter tonight. Our minds will be free tonight as we revisit Cana tonight. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, can you put your hands together for the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So here's your homework before you walk out tonight. Man, I'm good at giving homework. I should be a teacher. Here's your homework. Every day this week, every day this week, I want you to think about what God brought you back to tonight. I want you to wake up in the morning. I want you to thank him for what he did for you a long time ago. Just, just, it doesn't have to be a long, I just want it to be the first thing in your mind. Just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for healing my child when they were just a baby. Thank you. I just want to say thank you. And watch how your day improves. Watch how your perspective improves when you begin to give him glory at the beginning of your of every day of this week. Lord, right now, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for an incredible time together tonight. God, thank you for allowing us to open your word and thank you for meeting us in this room tonight. And I pray that you would be with us, that you would keep your hand on us and bring us back to the house on Sunday morning. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for being in the house tonight. We'll see you Sunday. 